Hey, thank you for tuning in. I've been on a road trip for the last week. I went to Albuquerque, then to Kansas. I rolled in a lot later than I planned, so I didn't have time to record an episode. So this week's episode will be a rerun, but I wanted to remind you about a few things coming up. Number one, the Notorious Bakersfield Halloween Tour will be back. This year's tour will take in crime scene and creepy locations in southwest Bakersfield. It will be available to purchase beginning October 1st and will run through Halloween. The price will be $20. If you'd like to be notified as soon as the tour is available, email NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. There's no space between Notorious and Bakersfield and put Halloween in the subject line. Number two, I'll be giving a presentation at the Kern County Genealogical Society at the Bill Library on Tuesday... September 20th, the day this is being released. It's open to the public and you're welcome to attend. It will be again at the Bill Library on Truxton and the Tahone Room at 1 p.m. So if you're hearing this after September 20th at 1 p.m., I'm sorry it's too late. So, But anyways, if you hear this in time um, and you'd like to take it in, you're more than welcome. Next week will be the anniversary of of the death of Hollywood icon James Dean. James Dean has a couple of connections to Bakersfield. Before his accident, he was pulled over for speeding and ticketed just south of Bakersfield. The other connection is a person who probably knows more about James Dean than anybody alive today. And he lives right here in Bakersfield. His name is Warren Beeth. He's a friend of mine. He's written two books about the actor. I'll be interviewing Warren for some interesting interesting misconceptions about the accident. Um, that will be next Tuesday. So tune in next Tuesday for that. Until then, enjoy this encore Notorious Bakersfield story. This is the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. There are a lot of rumors out there floating around about the historic Padre Hotel in downtown Bakersfield. Many of them are 100% false. Most of these stories aren't based on any evidence whatsoever. These rumors have given this iconic Bakersfield landmark an unfortunate reputation. However, this notorious Bakersfield story you're about to hear about the Padre Hotel is documented, verifiable, and true. This is the story about the 1968 Padre Hotel murder. The Town Casino was the name of the cocktail lounge located inside the Padre Hotel's lobby. I don't have first-hand knowledge about the bar's atmosphere in 1968, when the story that you're going to hear about happened. But I do know what it was like in the late 1980s and early 90s, because that's when I frequented this bar. So let me give you my perspective of this establishment from my era. Nobody ever said, let's go to the town casino. We said, let's go to the Padre or meet me at the Padre. We just knew it was the bar at the Padre Hotel. 
There were two entrances bar patrons used. One open to the hotel's lobby. The other entryway was from the sidewalk on 8th Street. Immediately upon stepping foot into the bar, the first thing to grab your attention was the dimness. Like most bars, the town casino didn't have any windows. The next thing you noticed was the aroma. Cigarette smoke and alcohol. The pungent smell of stale cigarette smoke and alcohol slapped you in the face as soon as you walked through the doors. And there was no specific demographic that hung out at the bar. Young and old, office employees, school teachers, blue-collar workers, and business travelers visiting Bakersfield all rubbed elbows at the Padre. Hardcore drinkers of all ages mingled with the occasional drinkers. It really was Bakersfield's proverbial melting pot. The misfits and the straight-laced found common ground at the Padre. Even when I had no reason to question my presence at this den of eclectic characters, I always had the feeling that I was doing something wrong, like it was a dirty secret to even be there. Yet, oddly, I always felt comfortable there. It never felt like I was being judged by anybody present. That's how I remember the vibe at the town casino, the Padre Hotel's cocktail lounge from the late 80s and early 90s. And I don't imagine it was too different from how it would have been in the late 1960s. Late in the afternoon of Tuesday, and the day of the week is important detail you'll discover later in the story. It was Tuesday, December 17, 1968. Ellen Finch, a 52-year-old married mother of four, ducked into the town casino bar with her 29-year-old boyfriend, Leo Zuniga. I need to note here, I've read conflicting accounts of Leo's age. Two different sources list his age as 26, 28, and 29. So I have no idea what his real age was. He was 26, 28, or 29. Um, Ellen, an attractive, middle-aged redhead, worked as a waitress at the Brock's Department Store Cafe just a few blocks from the Padre Hotel. In public, the couple's age difference drew awkward glances from strangers. The dimly lit bar provided the lovers the refuge they needed. Ellen and Leo just wanted to relax and enjoy a couple of drinks. They were sitting at one of the half-dozen cocktail tables scattered around the bar. Only a handful of other patrons were there. The town casino was decorated for the holiday festivities that were just around the corner. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year was painted on the mirrored wall behind the bar. In the center of the mirror was a painted Christmas tree. A little after 4 p.m., Ellen and Leo had finished their first round of drinks and were waiting to order their second when the 8th Street door to the bar flung open. Sunlight poured in from behind the figure standing in the doorway. It was Kenneth Finch, Ellen Finch's 49-year-old husband. 
Kenneth started shouting. Leo was sitting facing the door, but Ellen's back was to the door. Even though she didn't see him walk in, she recognized his voice. The balding middle-aged man walked straight to the table of his wife and her young boyfriend. Kenneth told Ellen to get her coat and leave with him. As he walked his wife to the door, he turned around to face her boyfriend. Ellen proceeded to exit the bar. Kenneth walked back to the table. Leo stood up. Kenneth raised his hand that gripped a twenty-two caliber pistol. and fired a volley of six rounds. The younger man attempted to dodge the bullets. Four of them struck the mirror behind the bar. Leo staggered and fell to the ground just a few feet from the table. Kenneth Finch exited the bar. He rushed past his wife outside on the sidewalk. She had heard the gunshots and was going back into the bar to see what happened. Kenneth Finch dashed to his car sitting on 8th Street, where the couple's 14-year-old daughter was waiting in the front passenger seat. Kenneth opened the door and tossed the gun into the back seat. Before getting behind the steering wheel, Kenneth told his daughter, quote, I just shot your mother's boyfriend. And he put the car in drive and took off. A patron who had witnessed the shooting ran outside and flagged down a passing Bakersfield police officer. The witness pointed out Finch's car as it drove south on 8th Street from the Padre Hotel. The officer was able to catch up to the older blue Chevrolet sedan at about 17th Street. Kenneth Finch pulled his Chevy to the curb got out and approached the officer. The first thing Finch said to the policeman, quote, I guess you want me. Kenneth Finch was immediately taken into custody. After being read his rights, Finch told the officer, quote, I had to do it. I begged and pleaded he wouldn't leave my wife alone. Leo Ornalis Zuniga later died at Kern General Hospital from his wounds. His funeral was held in his native San Angelo, Texas. He was survived by his parents, four brothers, and three sisters. A coroner's inquest was held three days after the shooting to determine the cause and manner of Leo Zuniga's death. At this inquest, it was revealed that Kenneth and Ellen Finch were having ongoing marital issues. Ten months prior, Ellen moved out of her family's home. She claimed to have moved in with a female friend, but later her husband learned she was actually living with Leo Zuniga. Kenneth Finch desperately wanted his wife of 26 years back with their family. In order to get her back, the couple negotiated. They mutually agreed that if Ellen moved back into the family home, she could continue to see her boyfriend, Leo Zuniga, two days a week. They established that those two days would be Wednesday and Saturday.
When Kenneth Finch went to see his wife at her place of employment, the Brock's Department Store Cafe, on Tuesday, December 17th, she wasn't there. For some reason, he knew he'd find her at the cocktail lounge at the Padre Hotel. And when he saw that she was in the company of her boyfriend on a day that wasn't one of their mutually agreed days, Kenneth Finch lost his temper. The pathologist who conducted the autopsy on Leo Zuniga's body testified at this inquest that Zuniga suffered four bullet wounds. Three of the wounds either passed through or grazed his body. The fatal bullet pierced his heart. It took the coroner's jury of nine people 15 minutes to rule that Leo Zuniga's death was a homicide at the hands of Kenneth Francis Finch. The Kern County District Attorney's Office charged Finch with first-degree murder, and he was held in the Kern County Jail. Finch was represented by veteran Bakersfield criminal defense attorney Morris Chain. Almost a month after the killing of Leo Zuniga, the accused murderer was released from jail on $5,500 bail. Later, Morris Chain handed the case over to his firm's newest member, Timothy Lamucci. In February of 1969, Lamucci negotiated a plea agreement with the DA's office for Finch to plead guilty to a voluntary manslaughter charge. Kenneth Francis Finch did exactly that. He pled guilty to the voluntary manslaughter charge and was sentenced to prison for a term of 1 to 15 years. I have no idea how many years he actually served. Um, that's kind of where the story goes cold. Um, I do know that Kenneth Finch passed away in 1987. Being a World War II veteran, he was buried in Bakersfield's National Cemetery. Like I said earlier, I have no idea when Finch was released from prison. I also don't know what became of the Finch's marriage. I don't know if they stayed married or eventually got a divorce. Resources used to research this story, the Bakersfield Californian, the San Angelo Times, and findagrave.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another notorious Bakersfield story.